1 Peter 2, 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and it's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. That's the word of the living God. Thank you very much. You may be seated. If you recall, the book of First Peter was written to uh, believers who were about to go undergo persecution, great persecution. The persecution was going to get worse. It was already bad, but it was going to get worse. And the Holy Spirit worked through Peter to write this book to prepare his people for what they would face. We um, celebrated last week that we were born again because of the Word of God. The Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to give us the faith to repent and believe is how we got saved. That's why the Word of God is so important. It is able, the Bible says, to make you wise unto salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, like we celebrate that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This morning, I want to focus in, or feel led to focus in on verse 4 of what we just read. Coming to Him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. The title of this message is The Rock of My Salvation. The Rock of My Salvation. That's preceded by verse 3, which it says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 34, 8? It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Jeremiah put it this way, Your words were found and I ate them, and your word to me was the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord. Job put it this way, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's an amazing scripture because it gives insight into how Job endured such great suffering is that more important to him was the food that was necessary, his necessary food, not dessert, necessary food, the food that I need just to live is less important to me than the Word of God. These men had fed on the Word of God and they had tasted to see that the Lord is good. The Word of God, we feed on that. We feed on His faithfulness and then it removes all the fear that we would otherwise have. Wicked schemes are being brought to pass in our world. The world is being shaken. The Bible says it will totter like a hut and it will reel to and fro and that one day the world is going to fall and it's not going to rise again. It means the earth, the earth system. The God of this age is now under the sovereignty of God 
over is coming down. Everything that we see right now is coming down. Hallelujah to His name and His kingdom is coming up. God's kingdom. His eternal kingdom. But Jesus... I want to focus in on this this morning. You're going to need your Bibles, and you're going to need them hold them handy, especially you young young ones out there, and you probably are quicker at looking these verses up than we are. But we're going to go through, and we're going to take a look at what this business is about Jesus being the rock of our salvation. Can I say this? When you witness to somebody and share the gospel with somebody, you'll often do it this way. I've, I've done it this way, and many of you have. We posed a couple of questions, and we've, we've called them over the years, and it came from Dr. Barnhouse, a strong Presbyterian pastor in Pastor 10th Avenue Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for many years. And we call these questions diagnostic questions. Diagnostic. We're gonna, these questions are designed to diagnose where you are. We celebrated time and again that the first question ever posed by God to man in the Garden of Eden was, Adam, where are you? These questions are designed to see when you're talking to somebody, to get them to see, where are you? Where are you? And the first one is this. If you were to die today, do you have the certainty of knowing that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven or would you go to hell? Now, plenty enough people will say, and I'm not going to assign a percentage to this, but I've heard it many times, and those of you who have posed that question have heard it many times. Most often you'll hear somebody say, well, I think so. I, 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 yeah, I, I believe I have confidence that I'm, I'm going there. Then the next question is really the more telling of the two. The next question is this, and it precipitates a spiritual conversation that we're hoping will get us to the gospel. And the next question is this. I hope it doesn't happen for a long time. I always pose it this way. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen for a long time. But just say that you were to die today, and you were to stand before God, and, and He were to say to you, why should I let you in to my heaven? What would you say to Him? Now that one right there. We're, getting, we're kind of starting here, and we're, going, we're narrowing it down. And here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the focus this morning. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. It's the, he's the footing we're standing on as believers. It's amazing how people, many of us, will give little or no thought to eternal things. And once we do give thought to eternal things, and we speculate that we might be going to heaven, we have little or no basis upon which to believe that. I mean, you know, if you're going to throw the dice, so to speak, on anything, if you're going to speculate about anything, speculate about where we're going to eat lunch today is one realm of speculation. We won't get in trouble there because we're probably going to wind up eating lunch somewhere. I'm going to commit to somewhere, and Jill's going to commit to somewhere else. And then we're going to have to negotiate which one, you know, because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. It happens to us every Sunday. And so, um, so that has somewhat implications about our day as to what we're going to be fed but it has no bearing on eternity but to stake your eternity on speculation or what maybe feel right or seem right is a destructive um, dangerous choice see there's a rock in the Bible, and you could follow it through the Bible, upon which Christian faith rests. And that rock is more sure than anything that's happening in the headlines of the papers today. That rock is dependable. That rock is immovable. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a big promise maker. And He comes through on His promises. And He made a promise way back in the Garden of Eden about what He was going to do as a result of man's sin. And He made good on those promises. And this book, from cover to cover, is the redemptive, the, the reconciliation, the saving grace of God in accomplishing that, pro that promise that He made. We're back in the front. And so when somebody asks the question, the second question, if you're going to heaven, yeah, I'm going to heaven. If you're going to heaven, then you should have some kind of well-founded basis upon which to believe that. Wouldn't you think? We give little or no thought to it. I was witnessing to a lady last week, and, 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 uh, and many times when you're witnessing to somebody, or the week before last, in this particular situation, many times when you're witnessing to somebody, come to find out, I felt led to go, go uh, talk to her and, um, and, and come to find out that this was on a Friday. And on that Monday, the person that she held on to as being a mother figure to her, Scott, that she said, this is, this is my mother. And it was her mother-in-law had died and they had her funeral on Monday. And I thought, wow, this is, this is divine that I will be coming by here today because often we'll go through life and we'll give little or no thought to eternity until we go to a funeral. We'll give little or no thought to eternity until we have a brush with the fact that we face it or somebody close to us faces it. And so this happened this week, this particular week for this, this precious lady. And her confidence in whether or not she was going to heaven, it was a speculative answer. I think I might. I said, why do you? So if you stand before God and you were to, He would say to you, why should I let you in heaven? She said, well, I'm trying to get there. I'm working on it. I said, would you be surprised to hear that the Bible says that confidence in what you just said will only serve to condemn you to an eternity separated from God in hell. Do you, would, you, would, you, would you be surprised? The, the Bible says that? What I believe about that is wrong? I said, yes. What you believe about that from cover to cover in the Bible is disclosing confidence that we can go to heaven is wrong. In other words, you're not standing on a rock. You're standing on opinion. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right unto man, and that way leads to destruction. I remember Dr. Barnhouse in recounting, he was a fairly bold, and after I tell you this story, you'll realize how bold he was. Fairly bold, and I'm being generous here, pastor. He was bold. And he was walking down the street one day and encountered a guy who lived in the community in Philadelphia where he was from, Trevor. And there, down the street, right there, walking down, he'd come by this guy every day. And a burden for him took root. And he started sharing with him about the gospel. And the guy vehemently rejected the gospel. I'm talking about angrily rejected the gospel. And yet Barnhouse would keep walking by, Ryan, he'd keep trying, keep throwing out some seed, trying to reach out to him. Believe in God that there was going to day would be open and receptive. Time passed, time passed, time passed, time passed. Guy took ill, serious illness. I think it was cancer. Winds up in the hospital, and word gets to Dr. Barnhouse that he's dying. And Dr. Barnhouse goes to see him. This guy's a mason. He practices Freemasonry, which is nothing but pagan worship. And so he goes into the hospital, and they have a watch over their own. And there was a, there was a Freemason sitting in the corner, and they have a death watch so they can watch over you know, their... Uh, whatever, when they enter into the eternal realm. And so this guy's sitting over there, and he's kind of patiently watching, and he's watching his friend die. 
And Dr. Barnhouse goes over to him and he gets up to him, nestles up to him and he musters up enough strength to know and he senses there's somebody there and he says, yeah. and he, in a soft voice, he said, he called his name. He says, this is, this is Pastor Barnhouse. And he said, oh, and he said, I'm glad you came to see me. He said, what are, you, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I've seen how people like you who have no hope, I've seen how you live. And I just wanted to come up here to your hospital room to see how you die. He said, I can't believe you said that to me. He said, well, I'm just asking, I'm, just, I'm telling you, I've seen how your philosophy worked for you while everything was going good. Everything was fine. And now I'm just, I'm just curious to come. To the, he wasn't being sarcastic. I'm just curious to come here to the hospital room and see if it's going to hold out for you when you get ready to go into eternity. How's it going to hold out for you? How's it going to work? Is there anxiety and fear? What's, and so that caught the guy's attention. He winds up presenting the gospel to him. He responds to the gospel in repentance and faith. And Dr. Barnhouse preaches his funeral to herald the fact that he's now in heaven. Jesus is the rock. Now, it says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. See, the faith that we rest in is not, as we talked about, a shot in the dark. The faith that we rest in is a step into the light. And it's lit up and illuminated by the Word of God. Praise His holy name. And the Bible has much to say about this business about God and Jesus being the rock of our salvation. Now, this is where you're going to need to get your Bibles in tow because we're going to take a trip through the Scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. I encourage you to write down these uh, verses and you can go back and look at them later. And can I say this too? For those of you who are saved and you're confident that you are standing on the rock of your salvation, you know what I'm believing for and praying for and I thought about you? when uh, going through these Scriptures, and, and me as well, that this serves as some kind of comfort to you to, to know that no matter what's going on around you and what's brewing around you, that if your faith is in repentance toward God and faith in His Son as He's displayed in, Jesus, in, in those Scriptures, you're standing on solid footing. And the only message that's coming from heaven is very good news for your future. No matter what's going on around you right now, but look at second, 1 Samuel 2, 2. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Okay? God personifies Himself as a rock. Now, 2 Samuel, turn right. These are all in the order, in the, in, in, uh, in the way the Scriptures are written. 2 Samuel... 22, verses 2 through 3. 22, 2 and 3. And he said, David's prayer, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord 
who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord is my rock. I'm standing on a profession of faith that's as solid as a rock. Now, look at first, uh, Second Samuel and let's look at verse 32. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. The rock. Who is a rock except my God? There is no other. Jesus is not a good way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Look at verse 47. The Lord lives. What happened three days after Jesus was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary by God the Father? God the Father sacrificed God the Son. Three days later, He raises from the dead. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. Look at verse chapter 23, verse 3. We're in the same neighborhood. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. The rock of Israel. And in your scripture, that's probably capitalized. And the reason it's capitalized is because it does not speak of a rock in a metaphoric way. It speaks of a rock in a personal way. And he's talking about their God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is our rock. Look at Psalm 18. Turn right. And let's go over to the book of Psalms. And there's a bunch of them here. Look at Psalm 18. Verse 2. I will love... Let's, look, let's go to verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I talked to Brother Al about this this morning, and, or, and, or Jill, and, and I wish I could sing. Uh, and, uh, and, and we were talking about maybe doing this song Later on, there's a song that goes, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen? He's the God of my salvation. I will call upon the Lord because all other ground is sinking sand. Anything else in answer to that question is but speculation and human philosophy and musing according to human reasoning. And human reasoning is limited with a capital L. It has no eternal value whatsoever. We don't live by human reasoning. We live by revelation. And revelation is from God's Word. And He's trustworthy worthy. That's the rock in whom we stand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Dear ones, stand on the rock. There's too much at stake to make a high stakes gamble. To say, oh, it's just the way I feel. Your feelings will mislead you every time. It's not how you feel. It's what God has revealed. It's standing on the word of the living God. Faith is standing on God's word. Not what you see, feel, or touch. Because everything you see, feel, and touch is passing away, but the Word of God abides forever. Look at verse 31. Aren't these great Scriptures? For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Look at verse 46 of the same chapter. The Lord lives, we just sang this. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Hallelujah to His name. Look at 28. In Psalm 28.1, you young ones, fan over there and look. And let's get excited about God's Word. Look what He's saying about the confidence you can have about your eternal future when it's vested in Him. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications. And when I cry to you, and when I lift up my hands toward your sanctuary, your holy sanctuary. Praise His holy name. Look at 31, Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verses 2 and 3. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me. And guide me. Oh, the good shepherd will never guide you except the fertile fields where you can feed on his word and don't have to worry about pesticides or anything else being in there. It's holy enough. Look at Psalm 42, verse 9. Psalm 42, verse 9. I will say to God, my rock. Why have you forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with breaking, with a breaking of my bones. My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Does that sound familiar at all? You know where that played out? 
the cross of Calvary. Hey, hey, if you're God, if that's who you are, if you who you claim you are, get yourself down off this cross and get us down too. The moment He comes down from that cross, the only thing He proves is there's no redemption for you and I and every last one of us go to hell. He proved He was God not by coming off. He proved He was God by staying on. Hallelujah to His name. This is the reproach of Jesus. This is a messianic word. Way before it ever happened. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Oh, believer, ask that question of yourself. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you dispirited within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. The help of my countenance and my God. If your faith is in Jesus Christ and it comes on the heels of repentance and brokenness over your sin and you turn to Him and Him alone for salvation, your faith is well placed. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, it's not your faith. It's a gift from Him. Bless His holy and worthy name. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Psalm 61, verse 2. This is wonderful, isn't it? These Scriptures are just such a blessing. Let's anchor everything on that. Let's don't look out. Let's look up. And when we look up, that's our orientation. And we get to hear the thoughts of God. They're here on this book. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. You know, we normally think of rocks and stepping on them. And they're low to the ground, but there's a rock that's higher than me. And it's a rock that's not held up by a terrestrial landscape, but it's held up by a celestial landscape. It's the rock that's higher than me. Oh, put your trust in the rock that's higher than you. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 62, verse 2. Down, let's go to verse 6. Same one. My soul waited silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. Listen, friends. God holds no expectation for you to make reforms in your life and get better to make you fit for heaven. You can't do it. The only one who's fit for heaven is God's Son who came from heaven. And He came from heaven to die on the cross for you to make you and I fit for heaven. Not through what we've done, but through confidence in what He's done. Hallelujah! Amen? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. My rest is in Him, not my works. Because they're only evil. My rest is in God's work through His dear Son. Hallelujah to His name. Psalm 71, 3. Psalm 71, 3. Let's go to verse 1. I don't know. Let's go to Psalm 1. No, let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's all good. I will, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Look at that. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort. When? When times get bad? At death? No. Continually. 
Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus have a continual feast. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 71. Now let's look at Psalm 78, 35. 78, 35. God's kindness to rebellious Israel is celebrated in this psalm. And it says there, Then they remembered that God was their rock and the Most High God their Redeemer. Dear ones, He's your rock if you've placed faith and trust in Him on the heels of repentance. Psalm 89, verse 26. 89, 26. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Oh, man. Chuck Swindoll tells a story of going into a, a, a uh, liberal church in um, San Francisco. And in the foyer of the church, they said that we're all children of God. We're all children of God. But they strategically left out the rest of the verse. Because the Bible says we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, and before you knew Him, He was your Creator, but He was not your Father. But when you're born again, through repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ, He becomes your Father. Look at the, look at the endearment in those verses. Look at the recognition of the intimacy that was purchased through a relationship through His dear Son. He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Hallelujah to His name. Bless your holy name, sweet Lord. Psalm 92, verse 15. Psalm 92, verse 15. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. If He's my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in Him, and He bequeaths His righteousness to me through repentance and faith, then... Dare we say it? Positionally speaking, there's no unrighteousness in me and you. Hallelujah. 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 Not because of what we've done, but because of what He's done. Righteousness is a gift through repentance toward God and faith in His Son. It's a rock that we stand on. All other ground is sinking sand. 94 verse 22. But the Lord has been my defense and my God, the rock of my salvation. Hey, if word gets out that I'm as sorry as a day is long apart from Jesus Christ, you believe every word of it. As a matter of fact, I'm not nearly as sorry as you've heard I am. As a matter of fact, I hope that your levelness of my thoughts toward me about how sorry I am stay where they are because if you knew the real truth, you'd leave right now apart from Jesus Christ. We're wretched to the core. Everything that we've ever done, the Bible says our works are as filthy rags. I know my sin's filthy, but God says my righteousness is filthy. Oh man, celebrate the Lord. He's my rock. My confidence doesn't lie in me. And as a believer, it doesn't lie. Your confidence doesn't lie in you either. The answer to the second question is Jesus Christ. 
My defense before God is not going to be mounted by me. I have an attorney. I have an advocate with the Father who will be right beside me. And He'll say, this one is with me. Dad. He'll say that. This one is with me. Let me remind you, Father, as if you need to be reminded, this one is with me. This one came through me. I drew him. I, he, he repented based on your convicting work through the Holy Spirit and put faith in me. He's with me. And God's going to say, I'll let him in every time when they come with you, son, because I'm proud of my son. He did it right. And God raised him from the dead to communicate it to us that he did. Oh, and that wonderful news. Psalm 95, 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Capitalized, isn't it? Why? It's personified. He is the rock of our salvation. All right, we're going to go to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Turn way right. Matthew 16, 13. I love this narrative. I love how it plays out. And man, it's just teeming over with truth. But let's go to it. Let's go to verse 13. You'll recall Jesus posing a question to His disciples. And Jesus came to the region, Caesarea Philippi. He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You cannot confess Jesus Christ as Lord apart from the supernatural revelation and redemptive work of the Holy Spirit. And he confessed it right there. And God assigned no credit to him for having confessed. He commended Simon for what only God could do within him. And that is confess that he's Lord. The same goes for you and I, dear ones. You confess he's Lord. It's a gift for you and for me. And look what he said. And I say to you that you, Peter, and on, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He didn't say on Peter I was going to build my church. He said on Peter's confession I'm going to build my church. Oh dear ones, don't miss it. The head of the church is Jesus Christ, not Peter or any pope that they claim succeeded him. It's just Jesus Christ. The Bible's abundantly clear about that. He's saying on that confession, that confession is the cornerstone. Christian faith rests on that confession. And this is what we're staking our eternity on. I'm staking my eternity and so are you that when I take my last heartbeat that God's Word's true and I have expectations not from me and not from you but from Him that He's going to accept me into eternal glory because of that which He has revealed regarding His Son and He's given me the faith to repent and believe His testimony and now I'm saved. That's the rock. That's the confession upon this rock. All of those Old Testament verses were pointing to this confession. Upon this confession, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the rock. That's a great place to be standing. Look at Matthew 21, 42-44. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, 42-44. Can I say this? The Bible says in John 
to the religious crowd, the scribes and the Pharisees, Joel, the guys who studied the Word of God like the back of their hand and probably could write it out from memory, what they had of it. He said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you have life, but these are they which testify of me, but you won't come to me that you might have life. All of this points to Jesus. And He says that right here. Jesus said to them, have you never read in Scripture? What He's saying is, listen guys, can I interpret that for you? Because you've missed it. You've missed it entirely. Have you never read the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The stone that the builders rejected. He came unto His own. His own received Him not. That stone hewn from the promises of God in the heart of God before the foundation of the world in the heart of God His redemptive work through His Son was accomplished already. He made good on that which He already promised which God always does and prophesied it throughout the Scriptures and took that cornerstone and placed it in the cornerstone of the church built on that cornerstone the foundation of the church through the witness of the apostles and everything that's built up on it ever since has been based on that. That's the foundation. We don't move off the foundation. We don't go further out. We don't go further in. We stay right on it. I've told you the narrative. We've got a little garden in our backyard. A little garden where we grow tomatoes and stuff like that. And a friend of mine was helping me put the garden and the next door neighbor was helping me put it up and we were putting landscape tiles around it to form it. And on one side of it, it drops way down so we had to build it up on one side. He said, i got to go to a, a birthday party. You finish out the rest. Or do I said, listen, just tell me what I can do while you're gone that won't ruin the project. He said, okay, just take these things right here and put them over here and, 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 and pound them in. And I was doing that and so I got the level. This is how much I know about things. And we already had the frame and the first couple of things built up and I, I put a piece of uh, a landscape timber on top of what was already there and I got the level out and he just put he was picking up his tools that you ain't got to do that because the first one's right and i went Ooh, wait a minute now hold on hang on i said that'll preach hey if the first one's right and if you lay on top of that one you ain't got to go, do fool with the level and the first one's right ted tell us confirm it you know more about this than i do but doesn't the cornerstone have to be placed exactly the way it's placed because it determines the shape and the form and the foundation and the and, and the rest of the building is that not true well god has an elect chosen cornerstone. It wasn't just like he popped up on the scene and God says, you're volunteering for this? No. From the foundation of the world, God said, that's going to be through my son. It's going to be through my son, through Adam and Eve. He took a rib out of Adam's side to make his wife. Why? Because God pierced his son on the cross of Calvary and through that pierced side, he pulled out his bride. And it's named the church. Every bit of it points to God's redemptive work through his son. You're standing on a rock that's been prophesied before you were ever thought of. Before the foundation of the world, God did this. Hallelujah to His name. Amen? And oh, dear ones, I'm sorry. I, no, I'm not sorry, but I can't help. Just forgive me because I get excited about this. Because nobody in here is a bigger goober head than me. None of you are better at sin than me. I'll outperform you sin-wise every time. Nobody has more of a sordid past than I do. And God has changed it all through His dear Son. I'm so excited about it, I don't want to get over it. He's changed my life. And I'm standing on a confession of faith that is well-founded, dear ones. It's right here. And we're not going to move off of that. Not one iota. And everything that's laid on top of it, you don't have to level it again because the first level was laid just right. And the cornerstone that determines the size, nature, strength, and direction of the building is God's only Son. And His name 
is Jesus Christ. Joseph, that's good news, isn't it? Praise His holy name. Look at Psalm 7. Excuse me, John, Luke 7. Luke 7. See, we, are, you, are you seeing it? Trevor, all throughout the, the rock. See it all throughout the Scripture. God's the rock. Jesus is the rock. You're standing on a rock. We used to sing an old Southern Gospel song. We sang contemporary Christian music. We had to throw in Southern Gospel music in South Georgia, otherwise we'd get kicked out of the church. And so we throw in a Southern Gospel song just to you know, put in with the rest of the stuff because everybody goes, hey, drums are too loud and all that kind of stuff. And so we did all that. And, and, and I'm not being mean or ugly to anybody, but there was one standing on the rock of ages, safe from all of Satan's wages. I'm rich. I'm rich because not what I've done, because I'm standing on the solid rock. I'm rich, Al. Are you rich? You're a rich man. You're a saved man. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? Where are you building? That's the question this morning, isn't it? Where are you building? Are you at Luke chapter 7? It says... In verse 46 through 49 in Luke chapter 7. <laughs> Sorry, that's the wrong reference. I'm 50. Give me some leeway. Luke chapter 6, 46 and 49. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building, on a, building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the floods arose and the spring, stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And it immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. There's no biblical basis for why you believe you're going to heaven and you're not going there. And that can change today. And then it's not like this. Let me see which way the wind's blowing today. Which way's the tide? Where's my feelings? Is my bent toward Him? Do I feel saved today? Do I feel this today? Did I get it right today? Did I work hard enough? Am I trying to make reforms to make up for the past? Have I done well? Uh, you know, it's like this. It's just testing the wind every single day. It's a life of tyranny. It's a life that cannot be at peace ever. That's building it on the sand. And there's going to come a day when God's torrent is going to rain down. It will be His judgment. And the life that's built on the sand will not stand. But the life that's built on the rock of Jesus Christ can rest confidently in knowing that the answer to that question is repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. That I have not done anything to deserve heaven. I deserve hell. I agree with God's judgment on me. If God were to judge me apart from His Son, He'd be right in doing so. That's called repentance because I'm a sinner. I agree with everything that God says about me and my sin and my sin nature. And I, I repent I, and I turn to faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone because I believe He's the Son of God. I confess Him as such. I believe that God raised Him from the dead three days after He was sacrificed on the cross and He's coming again. And my confidence is in Him. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly in 
Christ Jesus' name. Where's your house built? The storm came to both houses, by the way. One stood, one didn't. 1 Corinthians 10, 1. I know we've been going through all through the Bible. I'm glad you've been in tow and you're staying, staying up here. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 1. I don't know how this worked, <clears throat> but it did work. And it is revealed here. Moreover, brethren, this is about the wilderness wanderings. I do not want you to be unaware that our, all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. When Moses struck the rock, the first time. It was a picture of the cross. The Hebrew word that was used for saying strike the rock is the Hebrew word that means a mortal blow. It means a fatal blow. And it's a picture of the cross where God struck His Son one time and wham! Like that. When He struck that rock, what came out? Enough water to refresh and nourish 2.1 million people. And that spiritual rock, according to the Word of God, was Christ Himself. What does He say to the woman at the well? I'm the living water. If you drink from Me, you'll never thirst again. What is the invitation at the end of Revelation? Come if you're thirsty. Hey, if your work system of righteousness has left you thirsty, and it will, if you're bent thinking that you're good enough based on the human family that you were born into that will get you to heaven and has left you thirsty, and it will, if you think that you can put faith in Christ with no repentance and it's left you thirsty, and it will, come to Jesus, repent, and put faith in His Son, and He'll forgive you. He'll wipe away every one of the sins, not because of what you've done, but because of confidence in what He's done. And He will be your defense. He will be the one you stand on. And when the rains come down, and no matter what happens in life, you'll stand on a solid rock of confession. And you will be around a whole company of others that God's called to Himself. The apostles with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. You see, friends... If we go look at 1 Peter, he's the precious stone. He's the precious stone. You know what? I've got a neighbor. And I kid him all the time because he's got a dog named Precious. You know, and I say, oh, there's Precious. So much so, he named him Pud because he wanted to get to the masculine part. And he says, but I cut up with him about that. And look what it says. It says, you know what that means? I look this up. It means costly. Highly prized and rare. That's what that means. This stone, this stone is costly. Highly prized and rare is my son. Does it make sense to you in any measure that God would take His Son and put him on a trash heap outside the streets of Jerusalem, strip him naked in public shame and humiliation, have his beard plucked out, and level the full measure of his wrath on his one and only son, and say you can either come that way or just try hard, take your pick. If that's true, then God didn't sacrifice his son, he murdered him. He sacrificed him because that was the only way. You want to talk about rare? You want to talk about rare? Let's say exclusive. Oh, dear ones, the miracle is not that there's only one way. The miracle is 
that God was loving and kind and compassionate enough to make a way. Bless His holy name. I'm proud of Jesus. There's a better, more spiritual word to say than that. But I'm proud of Him. He's changed my life. And I know He'll change yours. You put your faith in Jesus. Your faith and confidence is well placed. But it's not just belief. And believe in Him and the apostles and all them walk this earth. Even the devil believes and trembles. The kind of faith that saves is comes on as a result of a broken and repentant heart. You see, he's a living stone. He was rejected by men. He came to his own, his own to be received or not, but God chose him. Hey, if God chooses you, it doesn't matter who rejects you. He spoke from heaven when he baptized him and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He did it right. That's my son. Now here's the piano part. We always talk about the duties of spiritual. We like to talk about the spiritual duties. But if you don't talk about spiritual duties by preceding it with spiritual privileges, then you miss the whole point. Spiritual duty doesn't mean a thing unless it comes in the heels of appreciation for spiritual privileges. That which God purchased. And here's what happens. You put repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. God speaks from heaven and says, That's my son and that's my daughter. And with my son and my daughter, I'm well pleased. Is that because you've acted right in me? Oh no. It's because the pleasure that God has over His son has been gifted to you through repentance and faith in Him. Hallelujah to His name. That's a rock! That's the rock! And you stand on that rock and you can stand. And when your time comes, and it could be today, and the last heartbeat takes place, you can know you can stand before God, holy, blameless, and above reproach. You see, dear ones, it says He's a living stone, built a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And then it says, it draws a contrast. He said, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, not achieve, to you who believe, it doesn't say believe and achieve. To you who believe, He is precious. He's what? Costly. Valuable. And rare. Man. I ain't looking for another God. I'm done. Done. He found me. But the stone that was rejected is a chief cornerstone and He's a stumbling block a rock of offense. Do you see the contrast? For those he breaks, that means repentance. That's salvation. See, it says the stone that falls on the man and breaks him is the repentant man. The stone that is, is, um, grinds them to powder is God's judgment. Your eternity rises and falls on what you believe about Jesus Christ. Period. It does. He's the chosen one. He's the Lamb of God, and He's trustworthy, and He's just, but He loves you. Let's go back to the question. Is He elect and precious? Have you lost sight of it? Don't ever get over being saved if you're saved. And don't let the devil talk, talk you out of the confidence you can have in judgment because of the gift of His Son. And dear ones, have you ever repented? Most of you believe. You believe in Jesus, you believe there were apostles, you believe in the disciples, you believe in, maybe even believe that the Bible is probably a good book and all that. But saving faith comes as a result of repentance, admitting.
And you know what? If you have been redeemed, love to proclaim it. Redeemed and I love to proclaim it. His child and forever I am. Let's have a word of prayer.